sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. My guest today is my good friend and colleague, Professor Nicholas Miller, a professor of church history at Andrews University, and also the director of the Andrews University International Religious Liberty Institute. And Nick, you're involved in a very interesting religious liberty case right now. Give us the background of that. Sure. It's a case of vital importance to Christian education, especially at the collegiate level. Those of your listeners out there who know something about higher education knows that there's a federal statute, Title IX, it's called for short, that um, requires schools not to discriminate on the basis of sex and gender. It's, it's the statute that's caused women's sports, for instance, to grow rather dramatically over the last decade or two. And um, But it's also been interpreted to prevent discrimination against um, on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity. But there is in the statute a an exemption for religious colleges and universities so that if they have the need for single-sex dorms, for instance, based on their religious teachings of modesty and no sexual behavior before marriage, that they can do that. And more recently, of course, it's come to also protect them in terms of their uh, codes of conduct for students and faculty regarding romantic relationships being based on the biblical framework of between a, a man and a woman. And so they have not been impacted by Title IX uh, in terms of their religious teachings because of this exemption. But just here in the last couple of months, a consortium of uh, LGBT individuals um, got together and launched a lawsuit it's REAP for short. It stands for something like um, trying to bring accountability to religious exemptions. And they're arguing that these religious exemptions harm LGBT persons who attend these colleges and then are discriminated against, not allowed to live out their identities and, and lifestyles. And so they're suing. It's very clever, actually. They're not suing. There's There's 33 plaintiffs or so, 25 different religious colleges and universities, uh, everything from BYU to Liberty University to at least one Seventh-day Adventist University, uh, La Sierra University. Um, and the students come from these schools, but they're not suing the schools. Instead, they're suing the Department of Education, which oversees and implements the statute, and which also assesses the applicability of the exemption. And they're claiming that the Department of Education's willingness to extend this exemption to these colleges is, in fact, causing the harm. And so they're suing the Department of Education to stop that. And the cleverness behind the lawsuit, of course, is that the Biden administration is quite sympathetic to LGBT issues. Sure. And it may be that the Department of Education isn't going to uh, fight this case too strenuously. Well, is the the exemption for religious colleges, is it simply the Department of Ed's interpretation or application, or is it in the statute itself? It's actually in the statute itself that says that the 
the line regarding gender discrimination shan't apply to religious colleges and universities insofar as it's inconsistent with their teachings, religious teachings and beliefs. And so it's a statutory exemption. So I do want to put this in context, because on the one hand, yes, we know that when Democrats are in power, they are, you know, however moderate Biden or others in his administration may be, there's certainly pressure from the progressive liberal wing of the party on issues like LGBT, and and especially in terms of sort of restricting religious institutions or cracking down on the freedom of religious institutions to practice their beliefs about human sexuality. On the other hand, we have a very conservative Supreme Court that by the time this program actually airs uh, is expected to have decided a key case in this arena out of Philadelphia. And that may really set the stage for what will come in the immediate future in terms of this ongoing conflict we've talked about for many years here on Freedom's Ring between LGBT rights and religious freedom. But I get that uh, here the plaintiffs, you know, the people bringing the lawsuit feel they have um, potentially a sympathetic defendant in the Department of Education, but you're involved. There are no doubt other interested parties, the religious colleges themselves, that um, have they been permitted to, uh, to to intervene in this lawsuit? Well, we're attempting. So uh, I work uh, with a law firm, and we've been asked by the um, Council for Christian Colleges and Universities, which is the largest consortium of Christian institutions of higher education, at least Protestant ones, in the United States. And uh, 25, you know, 19 of the colleges that have been uh, mentioned in the lawsuit are members of CCCU. And so rather than having them appear individually, this organization, which represents their interests and their concerns, is seeking associational standing to come in and appear on their behalf and make the constitutional and statutory arguments about why this is going to severely damage them. And the bottom line is, the plaintiffs are asking, it's not that federal funding goes directly to these schools, but the students themselves are eligible for federal loans and grants, Pell grants and, and similar federal loans. And if the plaintiffs are successful, it's not that these schools can be forced to change their policies, but it's that the government could decide that students that go there are no longer eligible for these federal loans and grants. And the reality today is that something like 80% of students that go to Christian colleges and universities rely to some degree federal grants or loans, and it would be quite crippling if Christian colleges had to, if the students weren't allowed to tap into this form of support. You know, when we faced a challenge along these lines, different contexts to be sure, here in California several years ago, and one of the things that we pointed out in lobbying against a, a bill in assembly was that, you know, there's really a public-private partnership in education. And public education is not, does not have the capacity to provide college education to, to everyone who wants it. And so it is actually more cost-effective for states and for the federal government to provide these partial subsidies, these grant and loan programs for students who attend 
private institutions, and the private institutions also provide an enormous amount of scholarship funds and uh, consideration for students. And so it's a fantastic, a fantastic investment by the government in the use of our tax dollars in terms of educating our young people. And it would be far, far more costly if they had to then invest to make, uh, you know, adequate facilities and services available in the public sector, uh, it would cost many times more. So, I mean, that's part of the, con you know, the, the religious liberty context, I think you've set out pretty directly that um, it's very restrictive and coercive on the, you know, the religious character of these institutions, isn't it? No, but that point is exactly right. These religious institutions are actually providing a tremendous public service educating people who had difficulty getting education otherwise in the public system. And statistics show that religious colleges are especially good at reaching underrepresented groups like uh, racial and ethnic minorities, poor students. And so there is a, an important segment of the community that we're servicing that the public side is not. Um, and more to the point of the case that we're talking about here, the plaintiffs in this case did this rather elaborate study claiming that LGBTQ students um, were um, achieving less well, had higher levels of depression and loneliness, drug abuse, um, subject to sexual harassment and, and even physical abuse at higher rates than straight and cisgender students on, on uh, Christian college campuses. And, and this is in good part the basis of their lawsuit. But what they failed to do was to go out and look at the statistics on public campuses. And we actually find the same kind of gap there uh, with straight and uh, cisgender students, um, uh, less lonely and uh, using drugs and alcohol less and being subject less to harassment, so on and so forth. And there's a gap in, in both arenas. We're both struggling to learn how best to service this community. But the real surprise was that in a number of important categories, including acceptance and loneliness, and also safety from sexual assault and physical attacks that LGBT students do better on Christian college campuses than they do on secular public universities. So it's not that we don't have things to learn and we could do a better job at the Christian colleges. We do, and we admit that. But to single us out as doing particularly badly and needing to be punished is itself a kind of religious discrimination because we're actually doing as well as, if not better, than the surrounding public institutions. Well, and it strikes me, I'm, I'm not surprised to hear that, and I'm certainly heartened to hear that. It also strikes me that there may be a real kind of conceptual myth, which is that somehow it's an us against them, and that um, LGBT students who attend Christian colleges uh, are not wholeheartedly wanting the kind of religious culture and environment and support and spiritual support that they provide. So, you know, they're there, obviously, in some measure, somebody chose for them to go. Maybe their parents are sending them. Maybe, you know, it's their own choice, but it's not like uh, they're being compelled into, you know, what some might say would be a hostile environment. They're adults. 
and they uh, the standards are made clear up front, and those who choose to go there know what the uh, what the standards are, and and uh, you know at least a subgroup of them go there because they want the Christian standards and uh, and codes of conduct. So you know, ironically, this is a lawsuit that seeks to punish Christian schools by actually punishing students of Christian schools. And if the lawsuit succeeds, it actually takes away finances for not just LGBT members, but all uh, students who want to attend Christian colleges. And uh, so we believe it's wrongheaded. We both care about and want to the best for this community. Uh, we believe that Christian institutions should be protected in the religious convictions they have to minister as effectively as they can. Well, I'm very grateful for your work on this case and to be able to uh, inform our listeners, we're certainly going to want to keep people posted as the case progresses. Tell me the name of the case again as we close, Nick. It's um, Hunter versus the Department of Education. Let me just uh, pull it up. Hunter is the name of the first name plaintiff, Hunter versus Department of Education, and it's the uh, a CCCU, Christian Council of Christian Colleges and Universities, that's seeking to intervene in the case on behalf of all the Christian colleges that they represent. Great. So listeners, if you are particularly interested, you can Google the case name, and I'm sure it will garner a certain amount of media attention as it goes along. A lot of press on it, yeah. Yeah. Our guest today, Professor Nicholas Miller. We've been talking about a very important challenge to the religious freedom Christian colleges and universities. Nick, as always, thanks for being with us on Freedom's Ring. Thank you. And as we close, friends, remember we don't just talk about religious freedom here at Freedom's Ring. We help those suffering religious discrimination, especially in the workplace. Check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring.